What's up, everyone? We're back for another episode of Locked On Bucks. And Camille is back after much demand in the YouTube comments. Camille is back on the podcast. Uh, and that means that the season is right around the corner. One player that we've been getting asked about a lot, but we haven't really discussed is Jay Crowder. So would Jay Crowder make sense for the Bucks? Uh, he's all but done with his time with the Phoenix Suns. And I would imagine there will be a number of contenders after his services. And then we're going to talk about a GM survey. We always love these. And uh, particularly uh, the Bucks are really good because they're featured in a lot of the answers. So we're going to get into the interesting ones. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday. Also find my little stuff over at ESPN. And alongside me, as mentioned, Camille Davis from the Technical Foul Podcast, which I believe they've just wrapped up podcasting. So, uh, look, we've got a workhorse here. Uh, We know that Camille is not afraid of going back-to-back in the pod world, so we're going to do that today. And we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day a uh, bit of illness struck me down yesterday camille so no podcast yesterday apologies for that but we're back today and we've got some interesting stuff to talk about we're going to get to jay crowder uh before we do i haven't spoke to you for a little while mm-hmm. any hot takes from the preseason opener against memphis before we dive into jay crowder hot takes no, you know, you know me at this point, Kane. I, I, I was just watching the game for kicks and giggles just to see like how uh, Marjan looked, and out of curiosity, seeing who was going to be playing and how long they would be playing, seeing if they're going to be any different lineups. Um, so I was just watching more so on that level. Nothing about that game gave me anything to run away with afterwards, which I guess is a good thing if you think about it. Like there weren't any hot takes. Like I also watched the Lakers preseason opener and I had some thoughts after I watched that game, but I did not have as strong of a thought, you know, after watching the Bucks opener. So the Bucks will play the Hawks in a couple of games uh, coming up here. They've already arrived in Abu Dhabi. They, uh, it's look never ceases to amaze me these NBA players and sure they're up at the pointy end of the airplane but they spend 14 hours uh, in flights uh, and then straight away they're there with the kids and they're doing clinics over there and practicing and those types of things so uh, they're incredible athletes as we know but that game 11 and I told you this Camille there's been a time change here in Australia I'm <laughs> thoroughly confused it's 3 a.m Friday morning for me which I believe is going to be 11 a.m. Thursday, Central Time, Bucks and Hawks. Don't ask me how you watch it. I got no damn idea. I'll be watching it on League Pass over here. I believe it's NBA TV, though. But you'll be able to hopefully figure that out. And uh, I'm not going to pretend to know how blackouts work. But if they black that game out in Abu Dhabi, um, there is cause for uh, much frustration. So we'll see. Hopefully Giannis plays, though, Camille. That would be nice. I mean, I would hope so. Uh, the way he's been talking about being able to be over there and, you know, bringing the whole family and the trip itself, I would think that with the NBA, you know, having this game in Abu Dhabi, that they would be trying to showcase some talent. I would expect that Giannis would play at least one of the two games they have. They have two games. Yeah, I think it's Thursday and then Saturday they play again. 
Um, I would expect that he plays at least a little bit during one of those two games. All right, let's get to Jay Crowder. So uh, the Phoenix Suns, uh, by the way, lost to the Adelaide 36ers a couple of days ago. And uh, I would say that the Suns potentially across the board haven't handled that all that well, even though big deal in Australia. It's on all the newspapers and news, all those types of things. But I think for the Phoenix Suns, it's uh, we don't need to overreact too much. And if I was them, I wouldn't worry about it too much, but they seem to have bought into it a little bit. Uh, but Jay Crowder, he he had his feet up. He wasn't in the building. He wasn't with the team. He wants out of Phoenix. I'm not 100% sure why or how this came about, but uh, let's dive into this because there's definitely been a few Bucks fans that have asked me what my thoughts were on Jay Crowder. So just the numbers initially. So for the 2022-2023 season, he is owed $10.1 million. Initially signed a three-year. It was around $29 million contract. So really that kind of enticing number four trades or uh, where teams can put some stuff together. So given the fact that he's not going to play there, given the fact that, you know, he's in his mid thirties now, he's been around a long, long time. I wouldn't exactly say that Jay Crowder is, uh, you know, going to be attracting a huge trade haul, but nonetheless, I do believe that given the fact he's played in the postseason, the last nine seasons, generally when he's on teams, they're winning. There will be contenders that would want his services. Zach Lowe, I think has been, uh, from ESPN has been pretty big on the idea that the Bucks are definitely been poking around uh, Jay Crowder to see whether he's available. Before we dive into some of the numbers, straight up, uh, your thoughts on Jay Crowder? Because I think that if you're a Bucks fan, there's been enough big matchups, there's been enough playoff series that he's probably a guy that's annoyed you in the past. But what do you <laughs> think about the idea of Jay Crowder on the Bucks? Well, I will start by being completely uh, transparent. I am a Marquette University graduate. <laughs> I was at Marquette while Jay was at Marquette. We had a couple of classes together. I doubt that he remembers who I am. But while he, he would, was on campus, he would. If he, I tell you what, if he, if he is, you know, someone that we need to respect, then he would remember you. There's no doubt. Hey, listen, but he was always very nice on campus, uh, which you can't say for all of, you know, some some Marquette basketball <laughs> players there. And Name uh, names. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that has to be like, I think it paid for that information. But um, <laughs> no, like I've always cheered for Jay. Jay is somebody who I've just always uh, cheered for because he was just always a very genuine person when I interacted with him. And I cheer for most of the Marquette guys in the league. Um, so when I think about Jay coming to Milwaukee, I think about it in two different ways. The first side of me always thinks about, okay, like what is the actual fit for him on this team? Jay Crowder is a wing, a defensive wing. I know they try to give him the three and D moniker. And again, I say this with love, Jay, if he ever hears this, uh, but he can be a streaky three-point shooter. So the three is not always there when it comes to Jay Crowder, but the, the D always is. Like he is going to play some great defense. You can switch him around. He's going to be tough-nosed. He's absolutely the kind of guy who you hate playing against. Uh, but when you're cheering for him, he gives you a lot to cheer for because he's always giving effort. He's always hustling. He's all, yeah, he's making little plays. He's irritating the other guys. And you appreciate that. Um, so defensively, I can definitely see the appeal of Jay being on this team. I believe Zach Lowe was talking about how the Bucks, you know, they're looking for that TJ or PJ Tucker type of guy. And I don't think he could be PJ, what PJ was during our championship run, but he's a guy who can be a little versatile on defense. Um, well, he might give us the same three point, uh, you know, uh, tributes that PJ did during his time here, but 
uh, it's again, he's streaky. So you can't really count on that. And as Bucks fans know, that's something that has uh, been a problem uh, from role players over the years. They're just, it just doesn't seem like they show up. The three should stop falling in the playoffs. Um, and if we're going to make a bet to bring somebody in defense, of course, great fit, but offensively you would like somebody who's shooting a little bit better from three than what Jay does. And like, he's someone who could swing a game for better or for worse at times. Um, so fit-wise, I can get why there'd be people who are looking or interested in him coming to Milwaukee. And then I think about the numbers and what it would take to get him. And I think, is that worth it? So we were talking a little bit before we got on and recorded live, but if Grayson Allen is a starter here, which that's the contract that makes the most sense to be traded, I would not want to give up Grayson Allen for Jay Crowder, which is interesting to think about because Jay is so defense heavy and Grayson is so offense heavy. So it's kind of like, which, which of the two are you looking for? But I also look at the fact that Grayson is younger than Jay Crowder is. Um, he has a chance to continue to develop. At this point, we kind of know what Jay Crowder is, what he's going to give you, which again, is it's a very useful player. That's why a lot of contenders, you know, want him. That's why he's been on, I think like six or seven teams uh, yeah. throughout his career so far. Like he's always in demand, but if I have to give up Grayson Allen to get him, I'm not as interested in that situation. All right. So you fit on a number of things that I think are really interesting. We can look at some of the numbers and then we can look at straight up positionally where he would even fit on this team. Again, assuming that you're trading Grayson Allen just purely because Grayson Allen is owed 8.5 million and then whatever you need to throw in. Maybe it, honestly, maybe it is uh, Jordan Wara or George Hill, but then you're giving up two guards. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. I want to talk about prize picks uh, first here. So prize picks, as we know, and we've been talking about prize picks for a while, but it is uh, daily fantasy made easy. How does it work? You pick two to five players, and uh, if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And uh, as I've said, if you're using prize picks for the Bucks, I'd go with Giannis, particularly with the rebounding numbers. The scoring's pretty reliable as well, but certainly the rebounding numbers, you can pencil him in uh, for whatever it is that uh, prize picks are putting up. And I would suggest you're probably going to be looking uh, pretty good there, but uh, they also offer projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA. Esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf. Disc golf, I don't know how much you know about that, Camille, but if you want to hit the projections there, you can. Uh, Euro basketball, cricket, and much more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They are safe and fast withdrawals. And uh, it's currently operational in over 30 states and Canada as well. Bad luck for me here in Australia. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code Locked On. And if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks will give you 50 bucks. Just for those that didn't quite understand the uh, 100, <laughs> the 100% deposit match, just making it clear. So don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. That's daily fantasy made easy at Prize Picks. Uh, thanks again for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview starting October 10th. 
a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey all combine into one ultimate NBA preview. Starting October 10, search for the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I jumped on that uh, preview as well. We, uh, No surprise that uh, the Bucks were a part of the Contenders podcast uh, for the season preview, which is fun. So back to Jay Crowder. So just some of the shooting stuff that you were talking about. We know the Bucks have seriously struggled from the three-point line or beyond the three-point line in the postseason. So I mentioned that Jay Crowder has been to the playoffs the last nine seasons. In six of those seasons, he shot below 35% mm. in those postseason appearances, including last year where he was at around 32%. 64% of his shots come from the three-point line. He doesn't finish well at the rim, even though he only 9% of his attempts come at the rim. So the question I would be asking with Jay Crowder is, is he that good of a defender? Like We can right. all talk about the idea that, well, you're adding a tough guy, which is great, cool. But is he that good of a defender that you would want to give up a really valuable commodity in Grayson Allen's outside shooting to acquire Jay Crowder? So for me, it's a no. Yep. But I can understand why the Bucks would be interested in adding a Jay Crowder type guy, a veteran, lots of playoff experience, isn't going to be worried about playing in big games. The other thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me is that if you just look, and this is via cleaning the glass, the positions that he's played. So the last two seasons, and this is in Phoenix, but 97% at the four two seasons ago, 98% at the four last year. Uh, there's a pretty good player that plays at the four for the Bucks, uh, named Giannis. And then if Giannis isn't there, we talk about guys like Chris Middleton, Joe Ingles, who they picked up, uh, and just a, a number of wings that they've got. Obviously, you know, Bochamp, I'm forgetting guys, Pat Connaughton, who's you know, guard slash four. But they've got a lot of guys in that position. If I'm still looking at this team, I'm saying, well, the question is probably at the guard spot. So are you really giving up? a guy that started the majority of the season to add another player who's uh, what J- Joe Ingles insurance. I don't know. I, it just, in terms of the roster construction to me, I understand why there'd be some interest, but it, I don't see how it makes a lot of sense. Right. Like it's a different conversation. If Jay Crowder was a buyout guy and it's like, we don't have to give up anything to bring him on yeah, and yeah, you can just see sure. what it is, but to give up an asset to acquire him. And again, that asset would most likely be Grayson Allen, who I believe is 26 or 27. He's somewhere, I know he's close to Giannis, like a year younger than Giannis. And theoretically, I'd rather take a chance on a guy who might be able to continue to grow with our superstar rather than uh, the 32 year old. And I say that as somebody who's even older than Jay at this moment. I'd think, well, how old am I again? Yeah, they're about 32, 33. So uh, I'd rather see, you know, someone that's like my little brother's age um, out there playing with Giannis rather than someone my age if I had to make that that choice. And again, when you think about what they both bring to the team, um, I think that Grayson Allen, based on what he said, and all players, you know, in the offseason, they're talking about how they got better and they were looking to improve X, Y, and Z in their game. Um but Grayson Allen already showed how valuable he can be as a three-point shooter. And if what he was mentioning about becoming a better finisher as well, so that when he is driven off that three-point line, he has other moves that he can go to and still create somehow, some way, some shape, some form. I'm, I'm definitely here for that because 
uh, even with Grayson Allen and in that Boston series, we saw Boston targeting him. Like we saw him getting eaten up on defense. Like I understand why people were saying he shouldn't have played as much in that particular series because of his defense. And I agree with that, sen- that the, the sentiment. Um, but I think about that bull series too, where uh, Grayson Allen helped swing a few games with, with how hot he was shooting wise. And I'm just interested to see how he continues to develop um, with this team and in the system. First year in the system, lots to learn there. I think he did all right in his first year as a book. I feel like the narrative around him after that Boston series was a little too harsh uh, when you look at his season as a whole, but Again, I can get why you want to add more defense. I truly do. I'm a defense lady. I love it. Um, but I just don't think that that defensive swing is worth it, especially looking at where they're both getting their minutes at. All right. So, again, as we mentioned, obviously Chris Middleton's going to miss the start of the season. Joe Ingles still out for a significant period of time. So most there would most certainly be minutes there to start the season probably. Uh, but I think we've also got some genuine intrigue about what Bochamp can do, mm-hmm. what potentially Jordan Wara can do. And again, I like the age profile of at least having a couple of guys that aren't uh, well into their 30s on the roster. So let us know what you think, though, because I know there will be a number of Bucks fans that really want Jay Crowder. So uh, let us know what who you would be trading uh, and why you think this is addition the Bucks should or p- potentially shouldn't have on the roster. Uh, one thing that we do like as well as GM surveys. It's great content. It's always interesting to hear what the uh, GMs are saying. So NBA.com, John Schumann has dropped his, and we always have variations of these types of surveys come through from different outlets. But uh, it is interesting the way this story starts. You can find it at NBA.com. So last season's NBA GM survey, the Bucks were not favorite to repeat. Uh, and look, going back to back is obviously pretty difficult. The Brooklyn Nets were the favorite, which I guess everyone sort of sat back and said, well, okay, the Bucks beat them in seven games. Let's assume they're going to be healthy. James Harden, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving. Uh, that dream didn't last very long. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's just say that. So this year, which team will win the 2023 NBA Finals? The Bucks, clear favorite, 43% ahead of the Golden State Warriors, 25 and then you've got the Clippers and the Celtics there. So are you surprised that the Bucks are clear favorites among the GMs to win the title? Um, I don't – how do I say this properly? Um, if this survey data was collected before we found out what happened in Boston, right. I would be a little <laughs> bit more surprised that so many people were still saying Bucks because, I mean, Boston is the reigning Eastern Conference champions – um, we know what that team can be. They had a good offseason. They did not lose many players that contributed, you know, to their to their uh, success here. And they added Malcolm Brogdon, which I think is a great pickup. Uh, but again, given all that's happened over the last couple of weeks now with Boston, I could see some people having some questions about like just leadership, team makeup, um, and if they'll be able to, you know, play through the distraction of what happened uh, with their head coach and members of their organization. Um, but to hear you said there were 43% of GMs were, were on the Bucks winning. That's that's more than I would have expected uh, before. And even after, it feels like a little bit higher. I'm like, oh, wow, like people really do think that, you know, this Bucks team is fully healthy, health considering, of course, um, could really win it all. And 
again, I'm a Bucks fan for sure, but I always try to be very logical and I can see a clear path where the Bucks do come out of the East. I mean, there's questions in Philly still, like we know Embiid and we know Harden are talented players. They are excellent. But the question around both of them coming to playoffs and over the years so far, we have not seen anything to change our minds about it. And we have a lot of data about them in the playoffs at this point. So for Philly, me, it's I have to see it before I believe it. If they, you know, end up going to the finals, kudos to them. I didn't like you, you, you did it. And I, I had to see it to believe it. Um, so I can get why Philly's not the lead dog. You look at Brooklyn, the star power is there for sure. But a month ago, we weren't even sure if they would have both of their superstars back. Um, and now they're trying to make it work with Ben Simmons. So, I mean, it could work. It also could completely explode. We have no idea at this point what the chemistry is in Brooklyn. So have to wait and see. I mentioned Boston already. Look at Miami. Um, Miami lost PJ Tucker, who was a very key part of what they were, you know, doing down there too. So I'm not sure if Miami has gotten better uh, this offseason. Cleveland added Donovan Mitchell. So it's like, yeah, they can definitely make some noise. But look at Milwaukee. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is now seen widely as the best player in the league. You have Chris Middleton, and I feel like Chris Middleton missing that Boston series might have actually made some people appreciate his game a little bit more, seeing what the Bucs were missing, at least nationally. I'm not sure if Bucs fans are off completely of the, you know, get rid of Chris wagon, but I hope so. Um, you see that. You see what you Holiday does night in and night out. You saw how he was able to kind of single-handedly swing <laughs> some of those games against Boston with his defense. So you know what the top three guys for the Bucs can do. You can argue that the Bucs have three top 25, maybe top 30 players, depending on who you talk to. So I can easily see why one would put Milwaukee as the, the team in pole position and win the finals. And I, Hey, that's, that's fine by me. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, everyone always gets excited. Similar to Brooklyn last year, everyone always gets excited about what wasn't there or who wasn't there in the postseason. So to your point, Chris Milton for the Bucs and, I've always been pretty strong that, you know, who cares? I mean, you can, if it helps you go to sleep at night that you tell yourself that if Chris Milton wasn't hurt, the Bucs could have won the title. That's fine. Uh, to me, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and the Clippers are kind of in that boat as well with Kawhi and Paul George. They should be really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, but we'll wait and see how much uh, time that pair spend on the court. As a non-American... Uh, I'm enjoying the international wave, uh, Camille. And so these next two questions, who will win the 2022-23 MVP? And if you were starting a franchise today and you could sign any player, who would it be? Unsurprisingly dominated by Giannis and Luka Doncic. So Luka Doncic comes in as the favorite to win the MVP this year from the GMs. Uh, Not surprised here. He got 48% of the vote. Uh, Then Giannis had 34. And then you drop all the way down. Uh, to 14% to Joel Embiid. But if, either way you look at it, there's three international players there. And it's quite remarkable that Giannis is among those guys. Maybe it's because he hasn't won an MVP for two seasons. Uh, Jokic is not there because I think people assume winning three in a row is, mm-hmm. is incredibly hard. Uh, but certainly winning your first MVP is a little bit easier than winning your third, I would say. So Giannis, to even have 34% of the vote behind Doncic, I think is significant. And Luca, there's always talk about how he comes into the season. Is he in great shape? Maybe coming off Eurobasket, this is the best he's going to start the season. So I think 
you know, Doncic as a favorite is fine. But if you were starting a franchise today and you could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? Uh, Giannis, 55% of the vote. Doncic, 45% of the vote. So they were the only two players to get votes. Last year, Doncic was the favorite at 43%. But I do think this is significant. Doncic is still in his early 20s. Uh, normally, when you see these answers, it's not someone who's about to turn 28, right. as Giannis will, uh, in December. Uh, but it just goes to show that I think everyone believes that Giannis is still very much climbing in terms of where his peak performance could be, which as people that have watched every game of his career, it's absurd <laughs> to think about it. But at the same time, we don't really doubt it because we've seen enough to understand that it's probably true. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And there's a clip going around of Giannis now with his interview with SiriusXM where he's talking like it's more than skill that gets right. you far in the NBA. Like it's, it takes a lot more than you have to have that obsession, the determination, that discipline. And that's a key word, and which is exactly why I don't doubt that Giannis will, you know, come into a season improved in some area, some way, some shape, some form. And even now where you're like, well, what more can he do? Like, he already is a top 75, you know, NBA player. He is currently considered by many the best player in the world. So it's like, well, what, what more can he do? But at the same time, I don't doubt that he will find something that he can do to improve his game because he obsesses over the game. And I feel like the GM survey results are further proof of just people accepting the fact like, okay, this, this guy is for real. Like this dominance is for real. He is, although he's turning 28, uh, we know that prime is if we got a few more years of that at the very least, like if all health considered, you know, into his early 30s, you would expect for him, you know, his prime to to be going in, in sometime in his early 30s. So there's people who are like, well, yeah, I would definitely want Giannis for <laughs> if I have him for a year or two. Like right now, of course I would. And yes, Luca is younger. And I think the world of Luca. I'm a fan of Luca Magic. Um, I think he's fun to watch. But again, I think also what happens is when you win something <laughs> in the NBA, people look at you differently as well. And I feel like because Giannis is now a champion, um, he's shown that he can do it. I could see why some GMs would be like, well, if I got to pick, you know, between a guy uh, who's still looking for his first championship, as cold as he may be, uh, this guy over here is also very talented and he's done it. And I know he has that mentality to go and get it done. So um, it doesn't shock me to see Giannis on the top. It's more so like uh, like confirmation of what we've been seeing in Milwaukee for a while. Like this, this guy's generational talent. Like he is an all-time great already. So it's it's fun to think about what the next few years could look like for him and what more he can add on to his already stacked resume. So I get why the GMs went that way. So if my uh, admittedly foggy uh, head at the moment is accurate, I believe he has three years plus the player option left on that contract. Funnily enough, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago that did bring that up and just said, you know, Giannis only has three. And, you know, it's interesting. So we'll all brace ourselves in probably a year's time for everyone to start talking about that again. Uh, But plenty of time, hopefully still in Milwaukee, no doubt, uh, for Giannis. So one of these questions that I thought maybe no discussion, but just cool. Uh, which rookie was the biggest steal where he was selected in the draft? Marjan Bochamp just got the one vote, but just the fact that, and was it John Horst? Who knows? I assume I assume they're not allowed to vote on their own team. Uh, that would be my uh, bet there, but we're all very excited about Bochamp. So anytime we see 
uh, him mentioned. We like to bring that up. Best defensive player in the NBA, Giannis got 48% of the votes. Interestingly, that Rudy Gobert only got 10%. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, it's pretty weird at this point. But uh, we all agree Giannis is uh, incredible on that end of the floor. The one I want to ask you about, best perimeter defender. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> in the NBA. So Marcus Smart gets 41% of the vote. Now, you know, whatever. He won Defensive Player of the Year. So, you know, I guess there's got to be some level of respect there. Drew Holiday came in second at 31%. But I do think that, you know, watching this series, and I'm certain Celtics fans would disagree, but, you know, even watching that series across seven games and watching the way that the two players defended, um, and maybe this is something that, again, people will laugh at the way I described that, but there is just something more... A pure about the way Drew Holiday defends on the perimeter. It feels like he's playing basketball. It doesn't necessarily feel like Marcus Smart is playing basketball a lot of the times when he's defending. He spends 95% of his time on his back on the floor complaining. There is just something different about those two. So I was a little bit surprised, again, understanding that Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, which I think was certainly really, there was a there was a widespread push for that to be the case whether or not it should have happened. That's up for people to decide. But I think Drew Holiday is a better defender than Marcus Smart. I don't think it's all that close. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. And Marcus Smart is the kind of player where I watch him and it's like he is, like if there are any Celtics fans that happen to tuned in, I think that Marcus Smart is a very good perimeter defender. I also think that he's too good of a perimeter defender to employ some of the cheap tricks that he does, <laughs> which is part of why uh, watching him play is frustrating because like you don't need to even resort to some of the things that you're doing because if you just played straight up, you would still be there. Like that the play in the finals comes to mind where Clay Thompson really did push off on him, but he sold it and flew across the floor and he's on the ground. And it's like now Clay has an open three and it's a big swing for the game. Like, it, it, it's, it's just the cheap tricks, and I think that's part of why, well, at least for me, why when I watch Drew Holiday play defense, I feel like he's a better defender because he doesn't resort to those same cheap tricks, whereas I'm flopping all over the place or I'm, 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 I'm trying to really sell what's happening here. Like, if you go into Drew's chest, he's probably going to eat it and just try to stay, stay you know, stay decent. Um, so I definitely agree. I think that Drew's a better perimeter defender, and I feel like in the series against <laughs> – Boston with the two of them on the court together and you got to really watch them play. Uh, I mean, Drew helped us win what was a game five with his defense where it, it, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what that man can do. And he's so stout as well. Like even if you have to switch on a big, uh, you don't want to see, you know, him holding a big primarily, but even if he has to switch really quickly, um, he has that strength to at least stay with them, um, you know, long enough for the other switch to come or even maybe affect the shot. So um yeah, Drew absolutely gets my vote. Again, I can get Marcus Smart votes, first point guard to win, first player of the year, since Gary Payton, and so on and so forth. But it's all the cheap tricks that Marcus employs that just turns me off of how he plays defense. Yes, and naturally you can understand why Boston Celtics fans love him and probably why his teammates love him as well. He seems mm-hmm. like one of those players that uh, – you would love to have on your team. So make sure you check out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Josh Lloyd, fellow Aussie, doing a great job over there. That show continues to do ridiculous numbers. So if you're playing fantasy basketball, uh, Josh Lloyd is the man that you should be listening to for all your roster moves and uh, tips and hints and all those types of things. So that's the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. After you're done with Locked On Bucks, 
uh, of course. Now, little segue into tomorrow's show, which is the best defensive team in the NBA. So the Celtics, 69%. I think if you look at the individual players they got across the board, a lot of defensive talent there. Uh, the Bucks were tied for third with 7%, which is fine. We're going to talk about the defense tomorrow a lot. Uh, Eric Name wrote a great story sort of expanding on some of the things that Charles Lee said in regards to the three-point defense. So we'll dive into that a little bit more tomorrow. But based on the fact that the Bucks have been middle of the pack defensively, Camille, it's hard for it's hard to expect people to say right. that they're the best defensive team, although uh, they've proven, including last year's postseason, that they are a pretty fearsome team once it gets to the postseason. But they do continue to be a hard team to judge overall defensively. And I think a little bit of unknown in what we're going to see this year. But that'll be a, a fun conversation tomorrow. Always good to have you back. There's been multiple YouTube comments, Camille. People have been oh. asking, what are you doing? When are you coming back? <laughs> so the people will be happy with this. It's uh, it's a pleasure to hang out. I appreciate it. I did not know the people were uh, – there. I shouldn't say the people. I say some people <laughs> uh, were you. asking. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that, and I'm happy to uh, to be back. And, I mean, basketball is – it's here. We got preseason games going on. So the season is around the corner. So we'll be definitely talking more. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the defense Thursday morning. Don't forget the Bucks are playing as well. 11 a.m. Central time. I don't know where people are listening from. So check out where it is. Will I get up at 3 a.m. Friday morning? Hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> but we will have a post-game podcast. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I actually locked myself out of my building today. So I'm just thankful we haven't got the chance to do this podcast. I was uh, hassling random people on the street, asking if they lived on my floor. I made it back upstairs, which is a great news story. So we'll be back tomorrow. Not sure who we'll be podcasting with, but we'll be talking about the Bucks three-point defense, which I know people uh, always get pretty excited about. So we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.